<laughs> okay, good morning, everybody. Excellent. Good morning. Happy Easter. Uh, he is risen. Yeah, that is a tradition we do not do, apparently. <laughs> Thank you. Let's try it again. He is risen. All right, we can... We can bring in new traditions that are old and drop old traditions that are new, kind of the purpose of this class. I'm not instituting that one. It just seems like a good day to use that as an example, maybe, and a, a great one. But uh, God, we're just grateful for you bringing your son back to life and being with us here today. Uh, be with us as we study your word. Um, so yeah, why do we pray that way? Why did I pray that way? Why did we pray the other way? It's a whole function of this class, just taking a, a, a time to think about it and see what we come up with that's, um, that's maybe worth rethinking or unthinking or adding to our thinking and then just moving on. And really what we're doing, anytime we have a class like this or we sort of say, hey, here's this baby, we should throw it out with the bathwater. Uh, all we're really doing is transitioning to new traditions. That's really all we're doing, which is fine. It's nothing wrong with that. We just need to take maybe a, a step back every once in a while. So tradition of the week, Easter eggs. Um, where did they come from? Why do we do it? Uh, why do we color them? Why are they hard? Well, hard-boiled is probably practical. Um, although there's one in my boy's fridge from last year that is not hard-boiled. <laughs> They've kept this all year. That's a bad idea. Bad idea. I don't. Yeah, you don't want uh, you don't want to go into their fridge. Uh, so, but this is you know this is a great example of tradition because I did a little reading on where Easter eggs come from and dyeing them and hiding them and sharing them and it's just like everything. Well, we don't really know. Uh, it could be this or it could be that or it could be the other. And here's the thing that happened and we're not sure. But one that kind of caught there's a couple that caught my mind like in the 13th century or 14th for Lent there were very some of the, the religious practices were very strict on Lent. You couldn't eat meat or any form of meat, including eggs. But you had your chickens continuing to lay, and you couldn't just waste that food. So they said you, they would hard-boil them so they would preserve them, and then uh, once it became Easter, they could eat those, or they could give them to the poor. Uh, lucky the poor, <laughs> I guess, if you're hungry. So... Um, but, you know, there's, and then it kind of got going in the United States around the mid to late 1800s based on some German immigration, immigrants that did it, and then it spread from there. Nobody really, it's just a classic, like, oh, I'll just go read about this and it'll tell me exactly where they come from. And nobody knows. <laughs> nobody really knows. Uh, the interesting thing about several other traditions are, um, and I, I don't know if any of this is accurate. So, you know, it's not the most important thing in the class, but, you know, the word Easter, I've always wondered, what is that word? Does anyone know? Yeah, it's the goddess E-O-S-T-E-R or E-O-S-T-R-E, Eostra or something like that. Probably from England, long time ago, god of fertility. Yes, Jeff? Are you talking about it today? You can fill us in. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. I don't do downer. All right. I do, apparently. Oyster comes from Ishtar. Ishtar was the god of, of Babylonian, uh, and in Babylonian captivity, like even on the Seder plate today, Jews have an egg, and they didn't have the egg before Babylonian captivity. Interesting. The egg came from Ishtar, who developed into oyster. Yeah, and oyster or oyster is a god of fertility, yeah. 
and rabbits and eggs symbolize fertility. And you know, we kind of have some funny thoughts. We've had some, in Christianity, we've had some funny thoughts about, you know, when we start to think about some of our holiday traditions like Christmas, we'll go find their pagan roots and then say that's why we shouldn't do them. I think it was really smart of the church to say, hey, we're going to take... We're going to take your pagan holiday and we're going to almost sanctify it and turn it re- religious. And by the way, every time you say a day of the week, you are saying the name of a Roman god. Nobody gets all upset about that. You know, we don't call them one through seven. But so anyway, just a small, you know, like I don't worry too much that these things had these kind of questionable traditions down down the road because we've sort of sanctified them. Easter is about Christ now. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's not about fertility and it's about rejoicing. And it's about new birth and things like that. So we, 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 took, we took that one and we turned it around. So as I told you last week, uh, this week we've got two topics we're going to try to squeeze into one class. One of them is just, you know, what should we be praying for? What is our tradition around what we sort of include stereotypically in our prayer life and what we don't include in our prayer life? And, and should we just sort of take a step back from that and say, you know, here's, here's the pattern. Here's the tradition. Here's what we share with each other. Here's what we don't share with each other. Here's what we ask for prayers for. Here's what we pray alone. So the context kind of leans a little bit for together in today's class. But you can think about what do we pray for alone when we're by ourselves and it's private and it's personal, what do we really communicate to God? What do we want from Him? What do we ask for Him for? What is it our needs? And, and also together. So if we were to play Family Feud and there was money on the line and you had to, you know, you want this answer and I were to say, you know, we surveyed, uh, you know, 500 people and said what, what's most commonly listed in a prayer concern sheet, or that you hear people asking for prayers for, and you know it's this family feuding with that family. So we'll go over here first. You guys get to go first. So what does the survey say? You know, if you were to go for the money answer here, okay. You want to talk about it among your team, or just gonna? Okay. Oh, is that what you were gonna go with, or you? Okay. Yeah. All right. What is? Okay, you guys give me an answer. Three, two, one. All right, we'll go with health. Survey says I didn't really do this, so we'll just go with Yeah. Health. Right, it's not gonna flip over because I don't I didn't do a survey. I don't know what the answer is here. But um, health, okay, is that some yeah, I'm sick or I'm not feeling well, or I'm going for, for surgery or cancer, those you know physical health, right? Good. Uh, okay, um, uh, they they took the top one because I said so, but so you still got what do you guys want to come up with for another one that we would say is a very common, you know, top three or four? It's not health. Safety. Safety. Wait, is that is that your final answer? Safety. Okay, Jeff, your spokesman says safety. Uh, I was at a church one time. Nathan and I were at a church in Washington D.C. We were on there on a father father son trip. We decided to go to church. We walked into the church. It was. Uh, 100% African American, 99.9% African American, which is great. And uh, we were late. And the usher took us to the only seats available on the front row. Um, and it was a really great worship, very memorable worship service for me because um, it was just different from my, you know, traditional what I was used to. But when they were announcing prayers, 
they would say this, which I'd never heard before. They would say, um, uh, Brad and Taryn Morrow, travel grace. Uh, Daniel Wheat, travel grace. Uh, Gary and Karen Richards, travel grace. I was like, that is really concise. I like it. You know, <laughs> don't care where they're going, don't want method of transportation, but they want safety in their travels or in other things, right? Safety in travel, safety on a mission trip, safety, uh, where else would be a good, is that it? Travel and travel grace, yeah. Okay, so safety, what else comes to mind that we know about? Okay, back over here, it's going to get a little bit tougher. Got health and safety. I never hear that, just for the record. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm going to help you with the answer. That's going to be a red X. That's a red X. So, but that's not official. I mean, fair enough, that's a great prayer, but I don't, I don't hear it, I don't see it very often. What, Sue? Help me to live a better life so that I come under guidance. Better life guidance. So let's talk about maybe guidance or wisdom. I'm going to go something like that. No? Sure, yeah. Uh, this isn't really a topic, but the phrase, be with us. Presence, maybe just accompany us, guide us. Let's, let's put sort of guide us, accompany us, maybe put wisdom in there. That's kind of a big bunch. All right, we're down to the brass tacks. One more. What, anything, what would be left over? What are the, or is there a big long list and we can keep going? You guys don't know what else. <laughs> Yeah, decisions. Big decision. Got a big decision to make. This job or that job. Move or don't move. Um, marry or don't, you know, whatever, you know, those kinds of things. Decision. Yeah, so put that under maybe a, a different kind of guidance, you know, wisdom for decision making. Good. All right, anything? So we'll just stop playing Family Feud, but we can keep going, Jan. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Um, and we'll, we'll collectively decide about that. You think that's a pretty common topic you hear in our sort of prayer requests that we share? You, you must have. You said it. I don't mean to. <laughs> I, I, I don't... That we talked about this a little bit earlier in class. And I'm not... It's your game. I'm just the host. But I don't hear a lot about... I mean, we do occasionally have these sort of, I'd say, big moments of forgiveness. Sort of the came forward kind of forgiveness. Do you hear it much other than that? Just... And I, maybe I'm not paying attention the same way you are. Yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, and I, I didn't make that clear. Just the things we see, the things we share, the things that are in our concern sheet, uh, the things that we hear from each other, that kind of thing. Forgiveness occasionally, for sure, but I would say it's not all that common. Do you have a different experience on the way we share things with each other? Well, in the Lord's Prayer, he, he says, he sort of instructs us to pray. And he says, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and that's sort of been construed as being the same thing is forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. Right. I agree completely. I think the question is, do, we, do you think we practice that part of the prayer actively? Do you hear that all that much? Do you? Okay. Yeah, it's so fair enough. So in your private prayers, you mean? No, I hear it here. Okay. All right, good. I think, uh, you know, it's one of those things, it's a great point, and I can actually understand why both sides could because I hear that a lot, but we say it so quickly. It's sort of it's sort of like we just say good morning to each other. Forget it's something we kind of brush past. It's it's a part of public prayer, I think, frequently. 
Okay. But not a focus. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I've drifted off by then. It's very possible. I, I'm not the best at paying attention. I admit that for that. Okay. So that was just an exercise on, you know, what's, what, what, what do we think our common current tradition is for what we share and ask for, just as a baseline. And so we're going to shift into looking some passages from, all from the New Testament, but about things that people were praying for each other, some very specific things. And we're going to cover this slide pretty quickly because we've covered these in other classes. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about um, when some of the apostles were released from, from the Sadducees with, with um, threats and imprisonment. You know, the, the disciples got back together and prayed, and their prayer was, give us boldness. Enable us to speak more boldly. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, and I've just got a part of it here. And the, their prayer was answered. They were given boldness. Uh, confession, uh, we talked about this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16, I think we talked about that last week or a couple weeks ago. Forgiveness, Jan, to your point, you know, this is that passage that, that I kind of spent some time on and I've kind of, you know, taken the part out of the Lord's Prayer here and then added it to the thing that Jesus added to it afterwards. Forgive us... Our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And then he sort of out of all the Lord's prayers I've said before, he comes back and focuses on one line and adds, expounds on his teaching about the prayer. And so I sort of said, I think that means it's important. And he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And then the negative that I didn't add is, and if you don't, I won't, is what he says there. So we'd covered those before. So, you know. You know, boldness didn't come up in our list. Braveness. And by the way, uh, I've got a lot of theories about that. I'll skip it. But I think we're going to need this more and more and more and more. And I don't think we're going to know how to pray for it when the time comes. Because we've thought that we didn't need it. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Confession. You know, I've talked about that this needs to kind of be a part of our lives somehow, some way with someone else. It could be your, within your family, your, your spouse. And then forgiveness just seems to be a thing that I, you know, maybe reflecting personally is, is very missing in my prayer life and I think could be added to some of our others. So any thoughts as we go along are completely fine if you've got a question or comment. Yeah, Heather. Well, I think sometimes with the like, confess your sins passage that people tend to think like, oh, I have to tell everybody the dark and dirty things in my life. And Really, like one thing that has helped me is like understanding that the word sin in, in the New Testament is, is literally translated to miss the mark, to miss the mark of God, God's will. And like when you put it in that context, it's a lot easier to say, Oh, yeah, I, I messed up here, you know. And and confessing seems like it's so formal, I think, because we see images of like what's done in maybe the Catholic Church, right? And um, it really, like, if you switch that word with share. And you share where you fell short. You know, right. That that um, is something, I think we avoid it because of the way we perceive the wording in that mm. passage. And if we just kind of break it down and unpack it a little bit, it becomes much easier to share with each other. Right. You know, the shortcomings that we have on that. Yeah, thank you. I think that's a good point. Um, you know, and if, if this is lacking in our lives, the, the kind of the, the struggle is, you know, who's going to go first? Because there's a trust issue there, you know, that we won't use it against each other or won't think we'll, we'll really take it in love and unity that we're that that we all have sin 
and that we all have something we can share in that regard. Yeah, thank you for that. So, yeah, Gary. I'm sorry, Jeff. And I wouldn't limit it to this, but I think it should be considered that that might be focusing on confessing your sins one to the other. In other words, if I've sinned against you, mm. it might be coming clean with that. Sure. And so I'm not, I won't limit it to that, but I, I'm tempted to think that might be the focus. Sure, could be that it's um, as you sin against each other, clear those things up, acknowledge your wrong. Keep the you know keep the relationship intact by being willing to do that. That's a great a great thought. Thank you for that. Um, so w- one theme that I found, and I, I, this is not exhaustive, um, this the, the slides that I have, but there there's some themes I found. There's a lot of writing in the the letters and the epistles of just thankfulness for your faithfulness, for the faithfulness of others, and how that has been helpful or inspirational to the person writing the letter. Uh, Ephesians 1, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Just this idea that there is someone in Ephesus that is faithful and is loving God's people is, uh, is a reason for prayer and praise and thankful. For, I'm going to bring all this to a point here in a minute once we get through them. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and all the love you have for God's people. Almost the same exact thing. Faith in Christ, love of God's people. 2 Thessalonians 1, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Um, And so we've got this, this theme of... Thanking God because you have encountered someone else who showed faith. And I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's like if you, if you talk to someone after worship and they encourage you or they pray for you or they're just there for you, that day or that night or the next morning, you are thanking God for that person because they were faithful and they loved you. And I was thinking, I don't know... <laughs> Again, I'm like, I'm saying, when have I done that? I've, I've certainly encountered and been encouraged by the faith of others. I have certainly had, you know, borrowed from time to time the, the faith of someone else, the, the encouragement of someone else, uh, the love they have for me of someone else. And I thought, did I turn that into a prayer of thanks? And I, I probably have, but it just struck me as I was thinking about this, that, that we can be thankful for each other. Um, any thoughts on that? As you guys, you guys are doing this again every week and it's just me up here going, <laughs> so selfish. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what are your thoughts on just the thankfulness for others who are faithful? Is that, do you encounter those people? Uh, do, you know, anyone want to tell a story about a time that was really meaningful in your life or... Anything that kind of connects this with um, your experiences? Yeah, Seth. I think for me, it's probably seeing times in my life where maybe my parents were more faithful than maybe I perceived them at certain times. You know, it was like, we're just really relying on God and we're being faithful and it's like, wow. You know, because not everybody has that as something to look forward to. Sure. 
just the blessing of faith. Yeah. I actually think this often, but I'm at a time in my life where like, I really lean on a lot of people mm-hmm. to get through my day. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so like every time we go to life group or every time we come to church on Sunday and I get to be with my family, my people in here, and I give my encouragement. And, I don't know. I, I feel this often. Good. Right now. Like, Good. And if and and you're you feel like you're expressing that? Yeah, yeah good. I think it every at least every Sunday. Great. Great. You get a transfusion almost. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. For, thank you for sharing that. Anyone else? Um, I think I think buried in these passages is unity. If we can see the love we have for each other and the concern we have for each other and the faithfulness for God, especially when we don't feel like it or when we need encouragement, and we pray those people's names in thankfulness, we are solidifying the unity of the body, I think. Yeah. Um, Justin. When, so I went through the AIM program, like a few people like Jeff and, and others, um, and then when I came back from my time, I was in Mexico City. Um, I went through nursing school. I was at Harding going to nursing school. There were a lot of people there that kind of helped me keep in the back of my mind that I thought I still might want to work um, on a foreign mission field. And so there were a lot of people at Harding that I looked up to and that were encouraging to me even without even knowing it sometimes, but or that I just talked to and Right. And so I always kept that interest, and then Sarah and I got married, and she kind of had that in her mind as well. So, you know, I I thanked God for people that influenced mm-hmm. me in that way. Yeah, that's great. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Heather? I think, um, going back to what Kelsey said about it just frequently feeling that sense, um, I think one of the things that, that makes it so meaningful in this day and age is, is because everywhere outside of the church is so disunified and yeah. divided and it is a breath of fresh air and um, you know that's something that like I started to try to be much more mindful of because it is getting to be a rarer thing in the world at large yeah. and so when we are together it's like you walk away feeling inspired and encouraged and built up and it's like oh well I can take that out into the world with me too right kind of an oasis of People of faith, thank you for all that. Um, and you know, so look, look for people, look for people that you can pray these kinds of prayers for, and and see, you know, or maybe to me, try to incorporate that that more. Um, another big, yeah, Brian. I was just going to say that there's also a sense of encouragement that happens. He's writing to him, saying, "We're praying for you. We're thankful for you." Yeah. He goes along with unity and unity for. Yeah, it is. He is encouraged them by saying what he's praying for them. So, to your point, if you are praying about someone and thanking them, God, that someone else has encouraged you, you might tell that person too. You know, or you might pray it with them, right? When they, you know, after worship, you might say, "I just want to thank God right now for your words of encouragement, and your faith," and you get you get the double effect of thankfulness and encouragement, Kathy. Kind of along with that, you know, he's telling them the people that he's thanking God for, he's telling them. But and you know, I did a quick kind of study several years ago on 
thanksgiving in the Bible, in the New Testament in particular, and there was never a thank you for doing this thing for you. know, it was always a more spiritual mm-hmm. element, and it was thanking God every single time. It was thanking God for another person, or for the faith they had seen, or for the boldness or encouragement. Or right. They provided food for me, but it was an act of faithfulness and love. In other words, maybe, yeah. And, and they're thanking God for that and for those things. Yeah, thank you for that. Let's look at the next one. A lot of prayers for knowledge and wisdom. We mentioned that in our family feud game. Um, uh, Ephesians 1, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I love that little... Like, why? So you'll know them better. Uh, that's what the goal of wisdom and knowledge. Um, revelation. Uh, Colossians 1, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So this idea of knowledge and wisdom for some specific reasons. There's, there's some that you can see up here, and we can talk about those. What, what is knowledge and wisdom good for? Why, should, why, is this prayer, why are these prayers prayed, and why should we pray them? I'll give you a hint. Um, I think it goes deeper than kind of the decision-making we talked about on sort of, you know... Every once in a while, I want to say something like this, and I usually don't. I'm going to turn off the mic so it's not recorded. No. Um, <laughs> does God care this job or that job? Really? I don't know. I don't always know. But I know that where you find yourself, God wants you to honor Him and serve Him and follow Him. And so sometimes I wonder if the knowledge we're looking for and the guidance and the wisdom is about the worldly thing and not the spiritual thing, if that makes sense. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I've prayed all those prayers. Mm-hmm. But this is spiritual wisdom. This is the wisdom from the Spirit. This is spiritual knowledge. It's not, you know, worldly knowledge. And, and I think there's a difference. Um, any, what are your thoughts on the, the prayer for knowledge and wisdom? Do you pray it? Um, do you when you do pray it, what are you hoping for? What What are those circumstances? Jeff? I think that's a beautiful question when it comes to prayer. Just like any conversation, you kind of decide in the conversation, am I going to lead this conversation or am I going to allow them to lead this conversation? Mm-hmm. And and I, you do that with God. When, when I prayed about a decision to come here to Fort Collins or to go to Washington, I was angry. I was upset because God gave me no answer. Uh, and I couldn't tell anybody God led me. Um, and I was I was kind of frustrated with that, and a very similar thought hit my mind. It's like God God never cared if I sat on the left side of the auditorium or the right side of the auditorium. He might not be concerned with some of the things I'm concerned about. I should let him lead the dialogue. Mm. What did I call you to? I called you to be a light. I called you to represent me. Go mm. where you want to go, and I'll bless you. Right. You know, and, and sometimes you got to allow him to lead the conversation. Right. Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that personal story. And I don't think either one of us are saying not to... You brought that before God, and God said, I've got no clear answer for you. I'm not answering the the, the, the state for you. And 
but you know there was still probably some God's will in what He wants you to do. Any other thoughts on knowledge and wisdom? I think there's a lot of power in these. Yes, Gary. Uh, the idea of knowing better uh, and seeking that. I, I, I think we need to seek discernment mm-hmm. in our lives. And I think that goes with spiritual wisdom. Really knowing what God wants spiritually yeah. for us and our decision making. And uh, I think we all need to grow in discernment. Yeah. And uh, the things that we see that are within God's will and those things that are not within God's will. Yeah, godly discernment yeah. is to summarize what you're saying. Godly discernment is different than discernment. It is seeing the world maybe carried through the eyes of Jesus, seeing people through the eyes of Jesus, seeing um, discerning right from wrong through the eyes of Jesus um, and not leaning on our own understanding or the influences around us, but really, you know, it, it's a, almost a little bit scary to, to know him better because the closer we get to him, the more we're going to be revealed, I think. And the more we're going to have to say, I am not conforming to the image of Christ. and But yet, the desire needs to be to do that, I think. Any other thoughts on knowledge and wisdom? Daniel? So I think, I'm still thinking about this in my head, so it might not be as good as later on. But, <laughs> um, I think there's something about, sometimes I think we come to God or come to Scripture looking for a specific yes and no, right and wrong. And I think that is there, but I think... With what Gary's saying, the discernment and this knowledge that we're pursuing, I think, is understanding why God wants us to do those things Mm. to a certain degree. I think what we want is to want the same things that God wants, not to know which things I'm not supposed to do, but still want to do the things I'm not supposed to do. Um, Part of that, I think, will always be there, but I think the better we know God um, and the more clearly we see the world through Him, I think... The more our decisions in our lives and the things that we get concerned about will be what God is concerned about. Right. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you for that. Can I go to the next slide just in the interest of. Was there another comment? Uh, you know, a couple themes about hope and peace the power of hope and the power of peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15. And also, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Second Thessalonians. This idea of hope and peace. I think, we, I think we pray for this quite a bit, you know, going back to our game. I think that I hear people say, I'm just, I'm just stressed about all this stuff. And what I really want is peace. I just want to stop being so consumed by this thing in my life decision or job stress or family stress or whatever and we get kind of tired of it and what we want more than anything is I, I do hear that I think quite a bit um, now and then anyway so hope and peace though do we do we do we incorporate that into our prayer lives do you do you have times where you know that was the desire of your heart um, and they're, they're very different I've kind of combined them like they're the same thing they're not hope and and peace um, they, they sort of lead you know joy and peace lead to you know trust which overflows with hope so they're definitely all connected i think but have you needed that in your life have you prayed for it have you prayed for it with others are there times you can think back to some of that 
I'm a slow learner, so the times I've prayed these prayers are like after months of stress. And I just say, enough. I just don't want to feel this way anymore. How can I not feel this way anymore? Well, I can turn it over <laughs> to God and ask for peace. And, and by the way, I've, I've been healed. Uh, I'd say almost every time that I have literally just gotten sick and tired and needed the peace that God provides, He has given it to me. I, you know, and sometimes in approaching miraculous ways, um, like I felt it fall on me at times. So the question is why I don't pray for it sooner <laughs> and more often and, and learn that I don't have to bear all these things for so long, for so much stress without just turning them over and praying specifically these prayers for peace and hope. Anyone else have a thought on that? Yeah. I was actually just thinking about peace in the previous slide. You were talking about wisdom and knowledge and how we so often pray for answering questions and you know all the answers to your why questions or not knowing what to do. So we're usually asking for wisdom, thinking of that, like wisdom isn't knowing what to do or how to make decisions. Instead, those verses refer to wisdom just for the sake of knowing God better or for the sake of living in a manner that is worthy, which brings peace. Mm, right. So you can just pray for that instead of praying for answers. Right. It reminds me, Mother Teresa, you know, would always say, if you're not called to be successful, but to be faithful. To me, this is also intricately tied. If you can just pray to know God and right. not be stressed by the situations that you're in and pray, you know, to just live in a worthy manner, just live to be faithful, then you can achieve peace. follows that. So outside, you may be sad, but inside, it's just kind of like this heavenly turbine of, you know, right. life that leads you to yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Yes, Gary? I think these are two things that God wants to give us. Yeah. They're within His will. We need to pray for Him. Yeah. And He will give it to us. Yeah, I, I so agree with that, Gary, that He wants to give these to us. And if we go back to some of our early classes, you know, He, he wants to be in relationship with us, and sometimes we do have to ask for them because we're we're turning our life over to Him when we do that. And then He's... You know, then he's giving us, you know, the thing that we need. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna zip through a couple more slides in the interest of time. But spiritual, <laughs> spiritual power. This idea of power, like actual spiritual power, and we can talk about what that means, is a pretty common theme as well. Um, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through your faith. Ephesians 3. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And so this idea of this word power, which doesn't mean power over others, or you know, power to levitate cars with your hand and things like that. It means this inner power, this inner strength it talks about, you know, so that you may, be, you may have endurance, you know, the, the power to endure um, seems to be a pretty common thing. And again, I'm probably drifting off in these parts of our prayers, but, you know, I don't, you know, it's like the prayer of boldness. I don't hear the, I don't hear the prayer, you know, may, may we be filled with your power so that we may know you better, so that we may feel your presence more, so that we may be enduring and so that we may be strengthened. What do you think? Any thoughts? Yeah, Justin? 
I'm thinking back to the hope that you know, is prayed for that I think is really closely tied to the endurance, the patience, and the strength to, mm. to keep living life and yeah. faithful life. Yeah, this this word endurance probably and power probably does connect back to things like hope and peace because they all kind of feed off of each other, I think, and lead one leads to the other. I agree. So spiritual power, we should be praying this for ourselves and for others. Uh, in John chapter 17, Sue, or 7, well, let's not get into quibbling about which chapter this is in. Uh, that's referring back to another class if you weren't here, so just... Got to be here for all the classes. Um, uh, and I'm going to cover these quickly. Um, you know, when Jesus prayed for his disciples, this is what was foremost on his mind. This is, he's about to die. We have this recorded prayer. And this is what's foremost on his mind. That we would know Christ. Eternal life is that we would know that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Uh, eternal life starts now because we know Christ. Um, or no God. Protection. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you may protect them from the evil one. Really powerful verse. We're not going to cloister ourselves, but we're, we're going to be in the world, but not of the world. And his prayer is that we be protected from Satan and sin. Unity. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me that they may be brought to complete unity. I think we should pray this more for ourselves and the worldwide body of Christ. I think we need every believer united in faith in this world. Presence. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This, that presence in the heart of, of God. These were the things that were important to him and things that we can be asking for to know Christ, for protection from sin, that we will be united, especially those with people we may have differences with, and that we will just feel His presence and that we will really feel His presence in us. And just in the interest of time, so, you know, I'm not saying in all these passages that when we pray for the physical or the decision or, you know, we, you know Jesus in his, in his model prayer prayed for daily bread. So I'm not saying that we can't pray for the physical, we can't pray for the decision, we can't pray for this job, but the overriding theme of all the prayers, certainly in the New Testament, are for spiritual strength and spiritual blessing and spiritual well-being and peace in our mind and strength in our hearts and faithfulness and perseverance and endurance and all those things. And we just need to make sure that we are balancing those. And I think sometimes we lean towards the things we're willing to share, which are the physical and we shy away from some of our spiritual needs because there may be a little bit of an admission that we have some spiritual growth to do. So, a whole other topic in three minutes, I promise. Four and a half, maybe. So, and we might carry this into next week or the, the summary. So we have two more weeks after this week. Next week's going to be pretty full. The, the closing class, we might bring this back into it, but... I think we need to be aware that there's a danger of being superstitious when we pray. I think we are modern people equally susceptible to superstition like everyone always has been, and I'll explain. So my definition is 
one of two things. I'm going to focus on the second one. Claiming an ability to read the signs that the universe is dishing out and connecting them to events so we can avoid those things in the future. I did this, and then this happened, and so now I can know never to do that thing again. Walk under a ladder, break a mirror, spill salt, uh, take a left turn, um, walk over the chocolate. Sorry. I didn't mean to bring you back into this like by pointing at you, but you know, there's a lot of them in sports. It's just a whole different thing, and we can chuckle about those. The second definition, I believe, is believing that you can control or alter events that are normally outside of your control by your actions or thoughts. When you wear your lucky Broncos jersey and sit on that cushion and eat your everyday football snack and, or else the Broncos lose, you are controlling the universe which makes you like God. No? I mean, superstition is a real topic that we need to think about. If you think you're controlling the universe, careful, and everyone does it. You know, Every time I do this, this happens, so therefore I know I can read the signs, and I'm not going to do that anymore, blah, blah, blah. So here's why it's important. So let's watch this video real quick. Um, hopefully there's sound. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know genies can be really literal? No. What is your wish? No. <laughs> okay. A million bucks. <laughs> oh, no. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So let me just briefly tell you this. I, I don't even remember if this church it was a long time ago. I was talking to someone at church. And someone who had been in the hospital in our church had passed away that week. And this person I was talking to did not know that yet. And so they said, hey, what's the update on so-and-so? Have you heard anything? And I said, yeah, they, they passed away. And this is what this person said. Oh, no. I was going to pray for them this week, and I forgot. Anyone with me on that story? I think I did it. I, am I, tell me if I'm overthinking that story. I often do. Uh, <laughs> they instantly had a moment of regret. I think that they might have been at fault... Because they didn't pray, and that person... Now, let's just say I'm right about that. That is superstition. That is that I, through my prayer, am doing the work. And if I don't do the work, God can't do the work. Kind of? You follow me on that? It's a little bit... I may have been thinking about it too long, and I'm going to talk about it in two minutes. Jeff's face is squinty. We can talk about it later, brother. But All right, okay. <laughs> So let me just say this. There was, another, there was another person that told me a story that I really can't share, but let me just tell you quickly about these two verses. Remember Luke 11? Which of your fathers, if you ask for a fish, will give them a snake? Even your worldly, corrupt, sinful fathers don't do that. And your heavenly father is much more than that. And secondly, we always have the Spirit interceding in our prayers. Our prayers do not go directly to God. They are 
co-prayed, I don't know how, with the Spirit, helping us when we don't know what to pray. So I say all this to say, to any of you that have ever carried a burden, because you think your prayer, you prayed it wrong, or you used the wrong words, or you weren't specific enough, and God did something as a result of those words, which was not the outcome you wanted, and you blame yourself, I would say you don't need to do that. Because God's will is perfect. And no matter what you prayed, or how imperfectly you prayed it, or that you chose the wrong words and you think you caused an outcome, I don't think so. I don't think you caused the outcomes. I don't think God is the tricky genie who says, okay, you asked for it, but you didn't ask for it right. You didn't say dollars. So here, so does that make any sense to you? I, I hope that resonates quickly with you that we need to not be superstitious about the power of our words in prayer because they are controlled by God and His will is perfect and you did not do a bad thing by, by praying wrong. Okay, we're just going to close right there. So um, next week, prayer and gender, and we're going to close right there. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>